0: So, two weeks from today kicks off the Pray For Me campaign. And the way you can be involved is just very simply by taking a little sheet of paper out of your bulletin putting your information on there and dropping it in the offering plate at the end of the service and then two weeks from today on the twenty-third we'll meet back in the gymnasium during the sunday school time ten o'clock we'll meet in the back and uh, we will allow our teenagers to come through and pick their prayer champions out and we'll get the opportunity to pray for them and have a part in their life for the coming year so i'm asking you to please be involved I have a lot of teenagers and they all need two people, three people rather, praying for them. And so you need to sign up. Please be part of this campaign, all right? Well, if you've got your study guide out, you'll see that uh, we're going to go back to a study that we started about a month ago. And uh, because of all the things that were going on, we didn't have an opportunity to complete it. In fact, uh, what was real really taking place was that I expected to complete that study in one day and I know it was a little bit ambitious putting six points on there thinking that we could get through them all and the truth of the matter is we weren't able to we just got through the first one the 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 truth for today is that we're only going to get through the second point so we're not going to move much further along so, what I would like for you to do, if you would, is once you've filled in the second topic, the second uh, title there, that you'll then flip your sheet over, you'll number one through six down the left hand side of your paper and give yourself room to write, so, space them out a little bit. And then if you would, as we move down through these six, we're going to give you six steps to achieving point number two. As we get down through these, please keep your paper out. Keep your notes out. Don't put it away just yet because I believe before we get to the end of the discussion, even into point number six, there's going to be some additional things that you'll want to put down on your paper. So don't put it away yet keep it out as we move through this study. And at some point, if God continues to give us opportunities, we will complete this study, but it just won't be today. You may remember that our text verse for this particular study is Matthew 6.33, where Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. In other words, there are appropriate means by which we can seek a lot of things but the very first thing we should seek in our life the very first thing we should seek in our day the very first thing we should seek in everything that we do is Jesus Christ and his father God and so he's calling us to this and then we do that through our first point which we studied last time and that is in this upward challenge we're looking for a way to focus our attention upward this upward challenge we have to Pray up. Pray up. And we showed that there are a lot of reasons why we pray. And there's some that we mentioned, five in fact. Number one is that we pray because it's through prayer that we see people saved. Number two, it's through prayer that we see people becoming more involved in witnessing. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth workers into the field. So we pray that God will do that. Number three, it's through prayer that we break sinful strongholds in our lives. And it's through prayer that we pray for God to break sinful strongholds in the lives of others. And number four, it's through prayer that God directs his people. And number five, it's through prayer that God sends his power upon his people. Now as we looked at this, we thought about the concept of praying and seeking God and and praying for people to be saved, praying for more workers to come into the harvest time and to, to sow and to bring forth fruit as fruit is delivered. But there was one thing we came to the end of our discussion and we said it would be really good if as you're praying for these things, God, bring this person to salvation. God, bring people around that person that will witness to them. God, break the stronghold that's in their life that's preventing them from moving forward. God, do this or do that. That we don't just leave it at, God, we want you to do this. Because in fact, we know it's God that does it if it gets done. But what we then say is, but God... Would you use me in the process? In other words, this isn't something I'm standing at a distance saying, okay, take care of that. It's a little bit presumptuous, isn't it? But what we're doing is saying, God, I know that if it gets accomplished, it's got to be you doing it. So then would you use me in the process? Would you take me and use me to bring about a time to witness and the salvation of a soul? Would you use me in that process? very important steps to go through. Today now we move to the second part of this and I've got to tell you just a little bit before we hit number two and that is that it's not an original point. The two words that you're gonna have here are not original to me. In fact I'm not going to embarrass him and I'm not going to to point him out just in case it would put him in a difficult position but one of our pastors has told me on several occasions next time I get up to speak I'm just gonna preach a two-word sermon and then I'm gonna sit down I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna say these two words grow up that's point number two grow up and I'm gonna go sit down (laughs) now you're not so fortunate that I'm only gonna say two words and sit down but uh... we are gonna look at this point today You know, it's a very natural thing for people to grow up, isn't it? I mean, it's a very natural thing. If you have a child that's not growing, then you understand that there is a problem. We expect our infants to become children, our children to become teenagers, our teenagers to become adults. We expect that time of growth in our life. And guess what? God expects that growth in our lives as well. God expects us to grow up grow up now there's several ways you can look at that growing up growing up in that we no longer wear our feelings on our sleeves growing up that we we no longer criticize and in a hurtful way criticize people there is a loving way to be critical but we no longer criticize and talk about people we grow up we grow out of that ignorance out of that that childish state that we grow up to where we are intent on helping other people we grow up to where we see the needs of other people and we want to work to meet those needs we grow up theologically to where to where we're not led astray so easily by those who would come in and pervert the Word of God in ever so slight ways but we know the truth because we have invested time and we have grown up into a knowledge of Jesus Christ. So God calls us to enter into this particular challenge to grow up. Now it's important to note that this is something that is very familiar in the scriptures. That in fact throughout the Bible God time and time again brings us to the concept that we are to grow up in Christ Jesus. Let me just read a few of these. You can write the references down if you'd like to and then you can go back and look at them later. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show yourself approved or matured unto God. 1 Corinthians 14.20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, so that you may, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every Way into Him who is ahead, into Christ Jesus. We are to grow up. We could go to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 6. We could go on and on and on. Where God has called us to grow up, just grow up grow up. And we look at this and we say, well, okay, but why would we do that? Is there really a need for us to grow up? Well, first of all, certainly there is simply because it's a commandment of God. And as a commandment of God, we know that God lays it out for us so clearly because it's always what's best for us. It's always what's best for our family. It's always what's best for the church of Jesus Christ. We know that and therefore the answer is yes, there is a need. But we also have to understand that for the person who is truly a child of God, that is dormant in his salvation, he is not growing, he is not progressing in his knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you've got to understand that there is a sickness there. There is a real problem in the life of this person who claims to be a Christian. Now, it could be that the person is actually not a Christian. There are a lot of people even in churches, good churches like ours, who are claiming to be a follower of Christ. And yet you never see any fruit from that. You never see anything happening in it. You see a dormant person. And you have to think, if you don't see fruit, that God is either going to discipline to bring about fruit, to bring us back to the center of His will, to draw us into a, an understanding of who He is, to draw us into a deeper relationship with Him, or else this person is not God's child at all. Okay, so there's a conflict here that needs to be working over in your mind. Okay, I'm not growing so then, am I really a child of God? I'm not trying to make you question your salvation if you are a child of God, but I do definitely want to bring to your understanding that if there is no growth, there's either sickness or there's no relationship. You can't really go any other direction. It's just one of the two. There has to be a growth that's taking place in our lives. So is there a need for growth? Absolutely. 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 There's a growth because of obedience. There's a growth because I don't want God to have to discipline me to bring me into line with His will to begin that process. There's a growth because it's what's best for me. It's what's best for my family. It's what's best for our church. Ultimately, it's what's best for our community. It's what's best for our world. So yes, there is very definitely a need for us to grow up. Just grow up. You may say, okay, well then how do I do that? And it's a very fair question, I believe, because I think a lot of us would like to be growing in our faith. A lot of us would like to be growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, we just, we just don't know how. Just don't know how. There was a time in my life when I truly wanted but I really didn't know how. Yeah, I came and I listened and I heard things and I was probably told, but it just wasn't laid out for me in a way that I understood it at that time in my life. And so today what I want to do is walk you through six steps to helping us get to that growth in Jesus Christ. And so what are these six steps? Number one, I think this is so important that we must have a desire to grow up. Number one, we must have a desire to grow up. Now, because we've added these in, didn't really expect to go this deep into this point, these particular thoughts are not on the screens as they would normally be, so you just have to listen to me, and I'll try to say it a couple of times so you get it. But we have to have a desire to grow up. You know what What I've found about children, it was true for our daughter, it's true for others. In fact, most kids, they want to grow up. They want to be like their big brother or big sister, they want to be like dad or mom, they want to be like their, their favorite uncle, or they want to be like this, this person on TV, this Superman figure. Yeah. Yeah, they want to grow up. That's a normal process of being a child. You want to, you have a desire to develop, and the, the same ought to be true for us spiritually. And we don't want to, to remain dormant. We don't want to be some some idle person just coming to church for show or just because we think it's our responsibility and there's nothing beyond that. We want to be people we have a desire to grow and develop in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. What a difference it makes when we have a desire to do that. But I believe that if there's no desire, it is virtually impossible for us to have growth. I think that it's virtually impossible. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, Peter says, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In other words, there must be this desire. I, th- I think that what he's indicating here is that it's a choice. I'm making a choice that I'm going to do this. I'm going to desire God's Word. I'm going to desire a closer relationship. I'm going to desire to grow up into His will. The problem I think we face is that for some people, they look at it and they see, well, you know what, maybe there are advantages to not growing up. I mean, you think about it on the physical realm. If I don't grow up, I don't have responsibilities. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to buy my own food. Somebody will bring it to me. I don't even have to change my own diaper. Now, well, we'll just leave that alone. Okay, so in the physical realm, we see that. We also see that in the spiritual realm, don't we? Because in the spiritual realm, we can be thinking the same thing. Well, if I don't grow out of infancy, then all of a sudden, I don't have responsibilities. I don't have to teach. I don't have to to call sin, sin. I don't have to, to, to serve. I don't have to work. It's a free ride for me. I mean, I get saved. I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then I'll just glide right on into heaven. Nothing else needs to be done or said what a scary scary place for us to be because we know that that's not what's best for us otherwise god would have said okay but once you get saved you don't have to do anything else now if every one of us did that in this church and to some extent i'm afraid we do that some extent but if every one of us remained infants, there would be no one being saved. There would be no one being baptized. There would be no one getting right with God because we were waiting on somebody else to do it. I think that's why when we pray the prayer, God save somebody or God restore the relationship or God mend the friendships, whatever it is we're praying that we say, God, would you use me to accomplish that? Because that in itself is a growing process. It's a time in which we are developing and we're growing into maturity in Jesus Christ. And so God calls us to be people who see the importance of it and we work forward with a desire to grow up. The second point now ties in so well. In fact, we're going to find that these just build one on top of the other. The second point is that not only do we have to have a desire, but then we have to maintain the desire to grow up. Number two, we have to maintain the desire to grow up. Maintain the desire to grow up. You see, I believe that at the time of our salvation, we had a passion and a zeal for Jesus Christ. Man, there was a fire in our souls that we wanted to do something for Christ. We wanted to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We wanted to develop. We wanted to become more acquainted with who God was. There was that desire inside of us. But along the way, something began to happen. And it really doesn't matter if it was discouragement or if it was embarrassment or heartache or, or, or whatever the case may be. Whatever you want to fit into the space there. It really doesn't matter. But at some point, those things began to affect us and we became indifferent to what God was calling us to. No longer was really that important. There were other things that had more importance. There were other things that took priority and took a, a greater place in our lives than what God had called us to, and that was growing up. I think that it's so clear. Some of us would say, but I have, I've gotten to this place to where, okay, I don't have to worry about it any longer. You know, I've gotten, I think Peter was like that. Uh, Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Peter said... No, Lord. You, just, you don't know enough about me. You don't really understand that I have gotten to this level of spirituality that that could never happen in my life. Now, you look at these other guys, they may just very well do it. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Not me. It's not going to happen. And yet that very night, Peter denied three times, just as Jesus said, denied that he even knew Jesus Christ. We don't get to a place where we no longer need to keep advancing. We don't get to a place to where we can just rest and say, okay, well, I've achieved that point. Some people think pastors get to that point. I'm here to tell you that's not true. Some people think, oh, you're a pastor. You don't have to worry about these problems. You don't have to worry about sin. You don't have to worry about temptation. Man, you cannot be further from the truth when you say that. We have to continue. Paul talked about this in the book of Philippians, about himself. He said, I haven't gotten to the place to where I think I've achieved perfect maturity. And therefore, I don't need to continue as if I've grown as far as I can possibly grow. But he said, what I do is I forget the things that are behind, the accomplishments, I forget the failures, and I keep pressing forward to even greater things in Christ Jesus. There's greater things waiting for me out there. I can't look back and say, well, I've done enough. I've accomplished everything I want to, everything I need to. It's enough for me. So I can just sit here now and see what happens. Because what happens is in that process, if we lose the desire, we begin to shrivel up and we begin to die spiritually. You don't hold your own. Don't hold your own. You're either progressing or you're backing up. And so we have to maintain this desire. The third point, as I said, these build on top of the other. The third point is that we must be properly nourished to grow up. We must be properly nourished. If we want to grow up, we've got to be properly nourished. You can look at any third world country you want to. And what you find is that in the, the areas where there is a great poverty that the children are malnourished. And if you look at the children that are malnourished, they're not fed enough. It's so sad. It's so pitiful. And what you see in them is that they're not developing the way they should develop. They're not, they're not growing the way they should. They're not filling out the way they should because they are so malnourished. Let me tell you, in the spiritual realm it's the same thing. If we're not nourished with the proper spiritual food, we're going to begin the same process. There's no way we can maintain a desire to continue to grow if we're not being nourished. We got to be nourished. So you say, okay, well, what is the spiritual food with which I need to be nourished? And, and honestly, There's two. There's one that I'm just going to throw out as a subcategory here. It's not really the main emphasis or the main thought that I want to focus on. But since it is true, let's throw it out. In order to grow and be nourished, I have to be in a corporate setting like this where someone is teaching me the Word of God. And I have to be in small groups and Bible studies and Sunday school time, get around other believers where they're pouring into my life, where I am growing through others' teachings. And I think that's important. In fact, I know it is because the Bible says you are not to forsake these types of things. You are to make it a habit, it is to be a priority in your life. And so, yes, it's very important, but I don't think it's as important. Not that we can say, okay, it's not as important, therefore I don't have to do it. No. Certainly not. It's important because it's in the Word of God. It's commanded. But I still don't think it's as important as the other part of this where we want to focus for just a second. And that is that we get into the Word of God ourselves. We get into the Word of God ourselves. I think it's so very important that I make the Word of God a priority in my life. That I make the Word of God a significant part of my day. Not that it's an add-on to my day. Well, if I have time. Because I know how busy we get. I mean, that's legitimate. We're all busy. We have a, a, tons of things going on. If you've got small kids or, or teenagers, you're going from one place to another. You're running with your tongue hanging out most of the time. I understand that. But God says in the process, I don't want you to make my word an add-on to your life, but I want to make it the center point. I want to make it a central point of our lives. It's what God wants for us. You say, well okay, how do I know if I'm being nourished enough? Because you know, you can, depending on who you listen to, uh, some will tell you, well you need to read ten chapters of the Bible a day, or you need to read two from here, two from here, two from here, or you need to read for an hour, or you need to read through the Bible in a year. And so there's so much of this going back and forth How do I know if I'm being properly nourished? I think it just comes down to simple mathematics. For some of you, mathematics is not simple. For me, anything else in school was not simple. Mathematics was. And so let's just run with this for a second, okay? I want you to total up something in your mind. Okay, I'm just going to give you a list of things and I want you to gather up a time, a basic time that you would apply to that particular element and then keep a running total until I tell you to stop, okay? all right. so what I want you to do is think about this past week only. This past week only. How many hours this past week would you say that you spent watching television? Okay, think about it. I'm not gonna ask you for your answer. You don't have to tell anybody else in here your answer, whether it embarrasses you or not. That's not what we're getting at. I just want this to be a very personal thing. How many hours last week would you say you watched television? Okay, now add to that, how many hours last week were you involved in some sort of a hobby? Okay, Got those two added together now. How many hours last week would you say you were involved with sports, whether personally or watching sports? How many? How many hours last week would you say you were involved in uh, being on the computer, social media or whatever the case may be, you were on the computer. Add that to the total. How many hours last week? How many hours last week were you engaged in reading something? Uh, Whether magazine, newspaper, something on the internet, whatever the case may be. How many hours last week were you engaged in that? Okay, now there are other places we could go with this, but let's just stop right there. Let's draw a line at the bottom in our minds and total up the amount of hours. What do you think? What do you think? Now, I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong with any of these things. I mean, I think that we can make them wrong. I think that I can turn it to where I'm not watching the right stuff on television or not looking at the right stuff on my computer and therefore I've, I've perverted something that was otherwise okay. And I think that I can also take it to the extreme to where I, I've spent more time in that than I should have. And that's kind of where I think we're going to head with this thought in a minute. But how many hours did you come up with Okay, now I want you to relate that to something also in the physical world. How many hours last week did you spend eating? Okay, don't add the two together, but just as a separate side thought here, how many hours last week did you spend eating? Now I would venture to say with all the hours we've spent doing the other things, if you only spent 30 minutes last week eating, you're in great trouble right now. You're about ready to kill over. We're going to have to do mouth-to-mouth. And, man, I don't enjoy doing that, so let's just don't go there. If you haven't eaten other than 30 minutes this week, there's probably still some donuts left over. So run over there real quick, and all the kids poof, shoot out. and we're We don't see them anymore. But now let's think about this then on the spiritual realm. Okay, let's say that, that you had... Uh, 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours, 40 hours, 50 hours, whatever the case may be in the the physical realm doing these different things. And you spent X amount of time eating in order to sustain you to accomplish those things. Now let's move over to the spiritual side of this. How many hours would you say you spent last week reading God's Word? You see, that's our nourishment. If if we didn't spend an amount of time that I think would be somewhere near equivalent to what we spent eating, physically eating, then we should expect to have issues in our spiritual life. We should expect to be somewhat malnourished. We should expect that in these times when we're doing these things that are otherwise okay because we haven't been fully nourished, that there are going to be problems when we're looking at the computer. There are going to be problems when we're watching TV. There are going to be problems with the thoughts that are running through our heads, Because we haven't been properly nourished in the process. So then what do we do? Well, obviously, we engage the Word of God. If we want to grow in Christ, and certainly we need to grow in Christ, we've seen the importance of it, then we must be people who strongly and continuously engage the Word of God has to be a priority in life. Now, I can say this one with great, um, with great force because I have personally experienced the difference making the Word of God a priority in my life makes. I have personally experienced the, the way that I'm not tempted to the same degree as when I haven't made the Word of God a priority. We can go right down the line. My focus is stronger my desire is stronger when I make the Word of God a priority in my life. And so we must be properly nourished if we hope to grow spiritually. Now let me quickly move you then to the fourth thing. And I'm gonna try to move through these next, two a little more, next three a little more quickly. Number four, we must exercise and practice. Must exercise and practice to grow up. Must exercise and practice to grow up. And the reason I say this, going back to the physical realm, you have a, a baby and the child gets up and for the first time, that first awkward step, you know it. Uh, uh, and he takes that first step and then what happens? Boom! Falls. Can you imagine what would happen if that child says, oh, that hurt. I'm not doing that anymore. So 30, 40, 50 years later, that person's still crawling around, crawling to work, crawling to the car. I'm not getting up to walk because that is painful. And yet, isn't it true? Growing up is painful. The bumps, the bruises, the little cuts. Growing up spiritually is also painful. It brings about some embarrassment because we want to do what God's told us but we we haven't gotten properly equipped yet. And So we go out and we do it on faith and and we do something that maybe is a little embarrassing. And we fall down. Man, it hurts. It's humiliating. But you know what? If we don't get back up and we don't keep exercising those gifts those abilities if we don't keep practicing what God has shown us we will never grow to the place where God wants us to be we'll never get to the place to where we can be of greatest impact for the kingdom of God why because we haven't exercised we haven't followed through 1st Timothy 4 7 says exercise yourself toward godliness put it into practice exercise you don't expect your child to get out on the 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 by the, by home plate with the baseball bat for the very first time and you don't expect him to swing and be the home run hitter you know someday he will be why Because there has to be practice. He has to learn to watch the ball. He has to learn to keep the bat back. He has to learn to step into the pitch. All these things have to take place before he becomes it. He has to practice. He has to exercise. He has to develop. The same is true in the spiritual realm. We have to study God's Word so that we can teach it to others. We have to teach God's Word so we can begin to share Christ in very real ways with people who need to know who Jesus Christ is. There's a process that takes place here. And in fact, since I've said that word, let me just move us now to point number five. Because not only do we have to exercise and practice, but we must have time and patience to grow up. We must have time and patience to grow up. Time and patience. By definition... Uh, growth includes time. Time is required for growth. The definition, if you want to write it down, it's a progress and development as time passes. Growth. Progress and development as time passes. In other words, you don't look at your children and see, boom, they're a baby one minute, and all of a sudden they're a full-grown adult the next. Doesn't happen that way, does it? Now, I can remember when our daughter was in middle school primarily, that there were times that we saw big amounts of growth. We didn't have a lot of money, so it was tough. There were times we would buy jeans for her the first day of the month, and by the end of the month, she was wearing those jeans that were three or four inches above her shoes. And I know it was embarrassing for her, and I hated it for her so much. And yet, there were those times of growth, but we didn't We never expected, nor did we ever see it happen, nor have I ever seen it happen with anybody's child. That one-minute infant, the next-minute adult, man, they've just grown up. doesn't work that way, does it? Same is true in the spiritual realm. God says you can grow on to maturity. You can exercise for growth. But it's going to take a time. It's going to take a process by which you go through to accomplish that. And so I want you to have patience in the process. I want you to allow me to work through you through the Holy Spirit, through my word, through other people. I want you to allow these experiences of life to come into your life so that you can process this time over and over and grow little bit by little bit. There may be times you go through something hard and God teaches you a lot and there's a great growth spurt, but not full growth. So just be patient understand that it's going to take time to grow through this process. And then finally, in fact, James 1, four you can write down as a reference. James says, to become perfect and mature, lacking nothing, we must have patience. You can write that down and check it out later. But point number six now is that once we've made it through these steps, we have to put it in our mind, we must never give up if we want to grow up. We must never give up if we want to grow up. Must never give up if we want to grow up. The child that, that falls down and, man, he's hurt his bottom. He's not going to walk anymore. He has doomed himself. I mean, even if he continues that process and can get around pretty well, what person is going to hire him to come and work for them if he crawls into work every day? I can't imagine anybody wanting them in the workplace. Same is true for us spiritually. Man, we're gonna fall down. There's gonna be the embarrassment. There's gonna be times when other Christians that are a little more mature than us are gonna have to stop us and say, you know what, you need to think about this. Because I believe you're presenting the wrong image of Christ here. I hate to backtrack, but I think it's important. time and patience. This patience thing is one of those issues that goes two ways. It really does work from two different perspectives. From the from the new believer, or the person who's been saved a while but just hasn't grown. They need this process of growing, this time that's required. So it requires patience, it requires exercise, and they're gonna slowly but surely make their way. God says, I want you to be patient in the process. But on the other side of this, for those who are more mature than someone else who's trying to work through that process, there also needs to be patience on our part. How wrong it is of us to assume that they've just been saved, therefore they're going to be as mature as we are. Not only wrong, I think it's, I think it's very much anti-God to do that. I think God expects growth, but He understands and He sees the process that's required. And He expects us to see the same thing. Not to point our fingers and belittle someone because they don't dress like us or look like us or act like us, talk like us. We allow them that freedom. Now along the way, we reach out in love and we try to help them along. We give them the benefit of our experience, not in a condemning, looking-down-our-nose type of way, but in a way that says, man, I've been where you are. Let me just share with you one thing I think will be helpful. And we try to encourage them. We try to move them forward as we do. But that we're patient with our understanding that we don't need to try to change them from the outside. We just need to let God change them from the inside. That's God's work, right? He's the one who does this. And so we give God the freedom to move forward. Converts to Jesus Christ are going to make many mistakes. They're going to be wrong in many things. They're going to say things that are embarrassing. They're going to try witness this, witnessing to someone. They're going to get t- fumbled up in their words and in their scriptures. And it's going to be humiliating. And yet what we have to come to the place that we decide in our minds, a decision, uh, an active thought in the mind that says I will not give up. I will not quit. You say, but that's not the way it was for the people in the Bible. No, they just got to this place and they didn't have to worry about it anymore. They didn't have to worry about embarrassment. Let me tell you, that's not true. You think about Moses, this incredible guy who went to Pharaoh and led the children of Israel out of captivity. Yet just before this, you remember what he did? God appeared to him in the burning bush and he said, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and set my people free. And what did Moses say? God, I know you know all about me. I know you know everything I'm capable of doing. I know you know what I can't do. But I'm telling you in this case, God, you are dead wrong about me. I can't do that. What he said was, I want you to go get somebody else because I can't do it. King David, an incredible warrior of our faith, and yet before his life was completed, he rebelled against God, committed adultery with Bathsheba. He murdered her husband Uriah to try to hide the adulterous affair. And yet he did not quit in the process. Moses did not quit. David went on. Eventually God called him a man after his own heart. Man, that's one of my desires, to hear God say, there's a man after my own heart. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He killed them. He imprisoned them. He made children orphans, kicked people out of their homes. He hounded them to death before his conversion. But once his conversion, he wouldn't look back on his past and say, I can't be anything for God. Look at what I've done in my past. No, he said, I put my past behind me and I pressed forward for greater things for Jesus Christ. I cannot stop. I cannot quit. All twelve of the disciples, when Jesus was betrayed, Judas, of course, eleven disciples. Judas was the one that betrayed him. Eleven disciples standing there with Jesus. Instead of taking a stand with him, what happened? Jesus turned around. They were gone. And yet the thing that makes someone great in our faith, is not that they were sinless, not that they were somehow perfect or achieved perfection over time, nor that they could even get close to that. But they had made a determination, yes, this is discouraging. I believe that Peter was at the point where he said, I'm going fishing, that he was giving up. But that eventually God continued to work in his life, Jesus came to him, Peter got back into ministry, would not quit, And was one of those guys that God used to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. You know what? God has so much for us to do. We cannot quit. Cannot quit. But we've got to understand that in order to be everything God wants us to be, we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. That means that we've got to have a desire to grow up. We've got to maintain that desire. We've got to be nourished if we're going to grow up, if we're going to see God work in our lives. We've got to exercise and we've got to practice what God has given us. And we've got to have patience and time to make sure it happens. And then we've got to make the determination that we will not quit because there is too much at stake. It's too much on the line. We have family and we have friends who do not know Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior. We cannot quit. We must go on to maturity to be everything God has saved us to be so that we might be to those around us what God wants us to be. We cannot quit. And so today the challenge I believe is so clear. God's saying, this church is going to be what you're supposed to be. If families are going to be what they're supposed to be, if individuals are going to be what they're supposed to be, we've got to grow up. Grow up. So, then what does that look like as far as application is concerned? I really believe for the person who is new in their faith that you just determine, okay, God, I realize growing up is hard, but would you build in me a desire? help me to hold to that desire to maintain that desire to make your word a priority for the person who's been saved a while and yet you just you've either stopped growing or you just never started you just were indifferent I think it's really important that you examine your life to determine am I truly a child of God and if so then you confess before God I have failed you and I'm sorry from this time forward, God, I want to have a burning desire. Give me a desire to serve you. give me a desire to grow for the person who is growing in their relationship with Christ that we understand that it 's possible for us to backtrack it 's possible for us to get complacent we no longer are moving forward, but we start that process of backing up we understand that it's possible and we pray God give me a stronger desire than ever as things get more and more difficult in our nation more and more difficult in our communities this desire must be here we must have a strong desire to pursue hard after Christ if we're gonna stand for the person who's gone on to maturity to never get complacent there either never come to the place where you think I've achieved I've made it But that we understand that the enemy would like nothing more than to drop us. To knock us down. Because he knows when he makes us fail that everybody that's watching sees that. And they're hurt by that as well. And so we have to understand that we have to stand stronger than ever. We have to make the word of God a priority in our lives. And we have to go on to greater things. For Jesus Christ so the challenge is issued my prayer is that we will accept the challenge